Our second reading today comes from the gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. We find Jesus with his disciples. He's speaking to the crowds. He's speaking alone with his disciples. And in the midst of that comes this this conversation. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Today, we all know, is a day, in fact, of memory, a day of recognition, a day that so many of us remember with all clarity, others of us were not yet born. We remember this day together, but not just as something that doesn't mean anything, but that means a great deal, something that points us to some much greater than ourselves hope that can come only from beyond us, a hope that we pray is true and that in faith we can live out. Speak to us this day, O God, as we share these words together and in the lives that we live out in the world in response in Christ's name, amen. My childhood friend was one of the lucky ones. That's what it was. It was luck. Didn't have anything to do with how faithful he is or how moral he is and how loving he is. It was luck. He just so happened to leave the wrong place at the right time. I talked to him later. We couldn't talk to him for a while. I finally did. On the phone, he said to me, he said, I went to the, I took the subway like I always do. I took the subway to the World Trade Center station like always, like I do every day. It's gone, you know, it's gone. All of it's gone. I know. I told him. I went into the World Trade Center and I 
and I got a latte like I always do. I do that every day, and I, I was going to sit down and, and read the news, you know, to relax because I would always get there early, so I would relax in the subway station at the World Trade Center. I would sit there and, and wait, you know, not so that I wouldn't rush. And every now and then, though, I'd go in because I was just ready, and this was one of those days. I decided, eh, let me get in. I'll go into the office early. That way, maybe I can go home a little early today, get things done. And so I, if I hadn't have done that, he said to me, I wouldn't be here. I was at my desk when it began, the first plane and then the second. None of us knew what was going on. Time went by and eventually we were told that we needed to evacuate the building. I was just a block and a half, two blocks away. We had to take the stairs. I didn't even know where the stairs were. I always took the elevator. Where are the stairs? Where do they go? I didn't know. And so we found the stairs and we took the stairs. Me and a whole group of people that from other floors and other seemed like came from everywhere. I didn't know these people. And there we were going down the stairs together. It was dark. It was scary. We didn't know what was going to happen. And about halfway down the stairs, that must be when the buildings came down because all I know is it was loud. And the building we were in was shaking. I didn't think it was going to stand. We held on to each other there in the darkness. These people. After what seemed like an eternity, we finally made our way to the ground floor and out. I didn't even know where I was. All I remember is Walking out into a dense smoke, couldn't see, could barely keep my eyes open. It was hot, stench, everything inside of me screamed to run as fast as I could. To get out. So I did. I ran. But that's not what I remember most. What I remember most is that when I was running out, the rescue workers were running in. They were going in. Everything about me was saying, get out of there, and they were going in. How could they do that? I could never do that. Who were these people? Who were they? We just read a scene about the disciples as they sat around Jesus, and Jesus asked them the very same thing. Who am I? Who do people say that I am? They answer, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, gets it right. Oh, Peter, I love to talk about Peter getting it right. He's just, that's who Peter is. He always gets the right answer. He's like Hermione Granger in Harry Potter. Always at the front of the class, there he is. Jesus says, who am I? Who do you say I am? Oh, oh. Oh, I, I know, I know. And he raises his hand. You can almost feel Jesus rolling his eyes a little bit going, all right, Peter, tell us one more time the right answer. You are the Christ, he says. And of course he's right. He's right. 
Then Jesus goes on to talk to them about what that actually means. The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be killed and raised on the third day. Peter doesn't like that answer in Mark's version. If you read Mark's version of this story, Peter doesn't like it. He jumps up right away and he rebukes Jesus for it. He doesn't like what he's just heard. And Jesus, of course, gets on Peter one more time and says, get behind me if you remember the conversation. You don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter what version of this conversation you read, though, whether it's Mark's or Matthew's or Luke's. You, you get this sense when you read it. I don't know if you picked it up on the, on the manner in which the story and the, and the conversation happened. This, there's this air of uncertainty there in the answer. It's almost too rote, right? Something unsure about it. That if Peter... If you could hear his voice, you might hear him hesitating a little. Because he doesn't know what it means, even though he knows. They, as if the disciples were starting to realize that this is a question that they were going to ask again and again and again and again over the course of their entire life. And in fact, that's exactly what happens. Time and again, in many different ways, we see the disciples becoming uncertain and unsure one more time. Almost as if this question just rushed right back into the back of their minds and and stretched them again in their own faith and who they are and who God is. The question, who is this? Who is God? We are just like that too, aren't we? Aren't always sure? Isn't that what needing faith is all about? We're uncertain. We know the right answer. We're the, we're the eager little student on the front row with the answer. I know the answer. We know. We know who Jesus is. You are the Christ. We know. But then there are times when the ugliness of our world shows itself and we ask the question, once more. Who is this? What is this? We see people rushing into places we would never go and we say, who would do that? My wife Denise and I were in Indianapolis at the time. Fifteen years ago today we were in Indianapolis. I was serving a church there that had a unique ability by its location in the city to do things for the city. It was just, lo- it's located in a place that you always see it, no matter where you go. Big church kind of, you just always saw it. So it had a large presence, so they would do things for the community. I remember, of course, like many of you that day, 15 years ago, but I remember that night we put together a service for the community. We invited the Jewish temple and the Catholic church in the Baptist church up the street, we all came together. And they told us, they said, wear your robes in the parking lot. Wear your robes. That's what we did. All the pastors of all those churches and all of that, we all went out and we stood in the parking lot all around as hoping that people, even if you drove by and, and didn't come in, you would see us. And in some way, that would be of comfort to you, that we're here intentionally to be there for you. And I will never forget this one lady who, who drove into the parking lot. It, I feel like she just picked me out, out of the crowd, which, you know, 
doesn't happen because I'm not that big of a guy, you know. And she picked, she had me. She had me pegged. And here she, she comes in, she parks. She walks right up to me. She had tears. She said, where's God? I don't know. I don't know where God is. Can you tell me where God is? Please. And I hesitated. Not because I didn't know the answer, but because I did. I knew where God was because I knew where the suffering was. If you know where the suffering is, you know where God is. So after a moment of gathering myself together, this strange person in my arms, I looked at her and I said, God is in the fire. God ran into the fire to be with those who weren't going to make it. God's right here with you and me in our pain and in our confusion. That's where God is because that's who Christ is. That was 15 years ago. And yet, I still find myself asking the very same question sometimes. Where is God? Who is God? Does God even care? I read a story once about a pastor growing up who tells his own story about growing up. He, has, he, he was born without any arms. And so he tells a story about growing up with that reality. I mean, he has nothing. He was nothing. And he talked about, he said, my mom used to take care of me. She used to, she would dress me and feed me and feed me, dress me, dress me, feed me. She'd feed me and dress me some more. That was, and then one day I was getting older. I was getting to be kind of a big boy and she came into my room and she put my clothes on the middle of the floor and she said, you're going to have to dress yourself today. Well, that did not go over very well on me, he said. I got upset, of course. I looked at her. I said, Mom, I can't, I, duh, I, I can't dress. I don't have any arms, Mom. I mean, you, I think you would have learned that by now. I can't dress myself. I can't do that. You're going to have to dress yourself today. And she left. Well, I kicked and screamed and stomped and shouted and all kinds of stuff, terrible things. I shouted at my mom, if she could hear me, you don't love me anymore. Why could you do this to me? I can't. And finally, I sat down in all my anger and bitterness, and I realized that if I was going to go out into the world and not be in the buff, that I'm going to have to dress myself. So I got to it. It took hours, hours, hours. But I did it. You know what? I put my clothes on. They weren't perfect, but they were on. And I stood up so proud. I, my, my smile just reached all around my face. I couldn't wait to run downstairs and, and tell my, find my mom and tell her that I did it, I did it, I did it. I couldn't believe I did it. And I walked right out my door, and that's when I realized she'd been sitting there the whole time. And she was crying. 
He was right there all along. Sometimes that's how we feel about God. Who is God? Where is God? And we need to be reminded that God is right there even when we don't feel it. I love Fred Craddock's statement. I say it often. I love it when he says, I don't know if God distances God's self from us. I know we feel some distance. And it is in the distance we feel that the same questions that we thought we knew come bubbling up to the top one more time, especially when we see the horrors that our world can present to us. They come right back up as if we're asking them for the very first time again. Who is God? Where is God? My friend was one of the lucky ones. He got out. And as he did, he watched the others run in. He couldn't understand it. When we see an image like that, we're at a loss. It's as if we're sitting right down with the disciples many years ago and hearing Jesus ask us for the very first time, who am I? Who do you say I am? What am I doing? And we need to be reminded of the answer we know. We know the answer. We know who Jesus is. He's the one running into the fire. He's always doing that. Isn't he? Isn't he?